Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Sofia Coppola's Priscilla. Joining us today are her Sofia Coppola correspondent. It's Kayla Stetzel. Kayla, how's it going? It's going great. You know, happy to be here. Love Sofia Coppola. And uh, yeah, Priscilla, fantastic. So I was about to say, do you love Elvis? But, you know, I think that's the point of this movie is maybe we shouldn't love him so much, you know? <laughs> you know, admittedly, I'm not, you know, the biggest Elvis fan musically. Mm. Um, he's out there. I'll listen. <laughs> you know, I'm aware of his existence. I mostly associate him with Nicolas Cage being obsessed with him, mm. you know? Um, but other than that, Elvis is just like a pop figure that I'm aware that exists. Speaking of Nicolas um, Cage, I gotta keep I gotta keep him in mind for uh, my recommendation section of the podcast. I saw his new movie earlier, uh, or, or a couple of days ago. But uh, but yeah, Priscilla, newest film from Sofia Coppola, her follow up to 2020's On the Rocks. She adapted the movie Priscilla from Priscilla Presley's uh, auto uh, memoir Elvis and Me. It uh, it's a it's notorious in its timing, and that it's coming just a year after we had a movie called Elvis. But it's a very different kind of movie. It is from the pers- perspective of Elvis's uh, only ever uh, spouse, Priscilla Presley, as she uh, from the around the time that she first meets Elvis up until the end of their marriage. But we we pick up where she is just a fourteen year old living on a military base in Germany with her uh, with her with her family, and uh, she gets uh, you know spotted by a someone who uh, holds himself out as a party promoter and a, and a friend of Elvis and uh, Presley saying, Hey, uh, Elvis is here. Cause Elvis was stationed in uh, Germany when he had his, um, you know, got, you know, conscripted into military service. And, but like this person comes up there and says, Hey, Elvis has Presley's having a party. He likes seeing people from home. You should come by. And she ends up coming to this party. And uh, at the time, Priscilla was 14 years old. Elvis was 24. Uh, and, but that did not stop Elvis from taking a shine to her. And, you know, pursuing a relationship with her and eventually uh, convincing her parents against their better judgment to let her come finish high school in America and live in Graceland with him. And uh, it kind of tells the story of uh, where her life went from there with her, or not where her life went from there. Cause she lived a lot of life after the events of this movie, but uh, where, uh, where, where things went with her marriage and her relationship with Elvis. And we're obviously getting it from a different perspective from the movie that came out last year by Boz Lerman's Elvis, where Priscilla in that movie was just kind of a small part of that movie. Here she was like a bigger part of it. Uh, here she is the uh, focal point in, in just about every single scene. Kayla, I'm curious, you said before that you kind of only really associated Elvis as some, someone that Nick Cage really uh, was into. And last year, Priscilla was a very small part of the Elvis movie. So I'm curious, going into this, I'm sure you your interest is peaked because uh, we're, we are supporters of Sofia Coppola. And if she has an interest in something, we should probably have an interest in it. But did you have did you know anything about Priscilla Presley beyond what you saw in that movie last year? Because I really didn't. I, and also, yeah. I also knew her grand, her uh, her daughter Lisa. I, I also knew about her kids. I mean, I knew you know about Lisa Marie Presley and Lisa Marie Presley's daughter is Riley Keough, who's like a very noteworthy actor these days. Really knew nothing else about Priscilla's life or even the beginnings of her relationship with Elvis. What was your relationship with her as a as a public figure going into this? Yeah, so perhaps I misspoke earlier. I mean, I never had like a reverence or like a, a mass appreciation for Elvis, but I knew and know a lot about his life for some reason, hmm. um, especially as it relates to Lisa, uh, not to Lisa Marie, his daughter, uh, but to Priscilla, I think because my mom was a uh, big Priscilla fan perhaps, but she hmm. told me when I was like in high school that Elvis met her when she was 14 and that he made her dye her hair black. So I knew some, some key elements. And uh, yeah, I also knew that Nick Cage was briefly married to Lisa Marie Presley, partially because oh shoot, I forgot about that. <laughs> with Elvis, yeah, it was like I only knew about the Michael Jackson stuff. I just totally forgot about the Nick Cage stuff. Yeah, he's got a lot of chapters in his life that Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. So I was familiar, you know, with Priscilla and I guess Elvis, you know, some elements of his biography, right? But I never had a reverence for the guy. Well, that. yeah. And then, well, well, yeah. So I get, I, I get not having a reference for him, but like, uh, did you, did, did you know anything else about Priscilla herself? Because like I said, uh, last year, just very, very, very small part of that movie. Um, I think, I think, uh, she, in that she's played by Olivia de Jong in the Elvis movie. Uh, and she comes in and has some, I think it has a couple of like, strong moments in that movie and gets to tell Elvis off, but I don't think you really 
get the full picture of that marriage because that movie just moves at such a frenetic pace. So yeah. uh, did you know that, because Sophia is known for these kind of movies where it's like the woman in the gilded cage type of thing that's isolated and uh, and may- in, uh, maybe on the outside has some kind of privilege, but is, you know, uh, facing other, facing against other kinds of, you know, um, challenges or isolation when you actually see things from her perspective or their perspective in the case of the Virgin Suicides, but you got, you know, Lost in Translation and Marie Antoinette also. So uh, this, this is not unfamiliar terrain. So what did you think about like, you know, Priscilla's story as far as what you knew beforehand or kind of going in or, or once you actually kind of saw this, what was your level of familiarity with like kind of what she had gone through and uh, what did you think about actually kind of getting to see inside her life? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope this answers your question, but you touched on some stuff that I'd, I'd like to talk about in a way. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of this is just in comparison with Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. And I, I've also, I've, I've read a lot of critiques and I've talked to my friends about how they feel about this film. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them complained about how quiet it was and how slow it was. Um, but as a big fan of Sofia Coppola, I felt like I understood what she was getting at here, which is in addition to being a story about Priscilla the person, it's also a really contemplative look at you know a young woman trying to grow up and understand who she is through the lens of Priscilla Presley right um and it is very much this pretty young woman in a gilded cage who is kind of trapped in this world she doesn't understand we see a lot of that I also think one of the reasons why this is a motif and a theme throughout Sophia's work is because I feel like that's probably how she grew up right, as the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola. She probably grew up in a lot of hoity-toity fancy hotels, just, like, locked up in a room, <laughs> almost like Priscilla was locked up in Graceland. So, like, I liked her take on it. It just seemed very, like, human and fragile in a way that was good. Yeah, and I, I think enjoyed- it's... Oh, I'm, I'm glad. And and I liked it too. I don't know if it's, like, my top tier, Sophia, for me, but, like, I, yeah. there's no there's no movie of hers that I dislike, so... Um, you know, I, it, and so this is no exception to that. Uh, and I think it's interesting what you said about, you know, her, uh, being a young woman trying to figure out who she is. Cause like, I think one complaint I saw a little bit about the movie and I don't necessarily disagree, think is inaccurate, even if I don't know if it's a problem is that like, maybe you don't really get to know Priscilla that well and figure out exactly how she feels about a lot of things or what makes her tick. And I thought, well, that might be a, a feature, not a bug. Cause when you're thrust into the situation where like she is, is it even possible to really like kind of know who you are until you're out on the other side of it? Yeah, I agree. I think first, I think not to suggest that I'm more intelligent than anybody else or an audience member. I think maybe they're discounting how much acting is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Like so much of what's on screen to me in this movie, which is true of a lot of, uh, Sophia Coppola's films, it's all in the eyes and the the expressions and the vibe, for lack of a better term. I felt like I could understand some of the emotional threads throughout. But as you kind of suggested, I mean, I think we might not have found out a lot about Priscilla because I don't know if Priscilla knows who she is, right? Um, and that's perhaps the point, um, at least sometimes. Yeah, what so. do you, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like that wasn't something that really ever bothered me throughout the movie. Any reservations I have are things that prevent it from being like a top tier Sofia Coppola movie for me. It's not the character development. It's just that like, I want to have a little more fun. It's only, you can only have so much fun when you're like trapped in a place like this. And even if like the story of Maria Antoinette goes to a dark place, that is a, a riotous movie at times that has mm-hmm. its fun moments as was the bling ring heck even like and i'm you know i i feel like i like i like the beguiled more than just about any uh, other fan of sofia coppola's movies does because it was like the first one of hers i ever saw in theaters but that movie is a lot of fun even if like there's dark twisted stuff happening in it too i don't know mm-hmm. uh, very much at all in elvis or excuse me in, Pris- in the movie priscilla that can be considered fun so i think it's like harder for me to have the same positive vibes with it that i might with some of her other films but, you know, at the same time, like, I, I, you know, I, I think that she set out to do what she wanted to do very well is, is, is what I would say. Uh, I mean, it may also maybe part of it also it's preventing me from like, you know, just having a blast watching it is that like, I'm, I, I'm acutely aware of what those ages were when they met. 
And yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to grapple how I felt about that. And I think one thing I, I looked up maybe during the first time I saw the movie or right after was like how tall Elvis was. Uh, cause, and then how tall Priscilla was. Cause Elvis is like six, like, was like six feet tall. And like Priscilla was like five, four or five, five or something. And, uh, Jacob Lordy is six, five and Kaylee Spaney who plays Priscilla is like five, one or five feet yeah. tall. So she looks like a freaking like China doll next to him for like all at all times during this movie. It just exacerbates the age difference. And I just kept thinking, you can't help but think about that. And I'm wondering as you're watching this and trying to put it in the right context and if it's, is it re- in it, how, and wondering how you should feel about Elvis and watching this, how, how much, like, did you, how, how much did you feel Sophia was trying to actually have the audience like acutely be aware of like, just ha- how problematic that was or did you feel she was glossing over it did you feel the movie addressed it enough or did it not even need to because once you're just aware of their ages you're, you're you're there left to be able to think about it on your own and the movie doesn't need to like tell you how to feel about it was that something you were kind of thinking about that much like oh man this is really messed up that 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 everyone is just kind of going along with this in the course of the in, in the course of this story because I, I i it was again it was something like i don't think i fully knew till i like showed up to the movie just like about that aspect of this. And it's something that they gloss over in 2022's Elvis. And here it's like, it's there. And I'm like, man, like should, how hung up should I be getting on this age difference? Cause you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a fortuitous that it's coming out in a, in a, in a, in a moment in time in 2023, when like the word grooming is like such a loaded term now it's like, Oh man, like this is like, uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. This is coming out just now. And I'm wondering like how you were able to like, kind of feel about how you felt about that as you watched the movie and how you were able to kind of like compartmentalize that part of this. Cause it kind of colors their whole relationship in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I, for me going in and just in watching the trailers, I assumed that the age gap and the power dynamic was going to be the focus of this film. Right. I thought this was going to be like, finally, we're going to see, even a more darker retelling of their relationship dynamic because I, I i think i told you before i was aware of their age gap mm-hmm. and some of his controlling behaviors so i was actually expecting there to be more of a mirror held up to society about this and kind of more of a takedown of elvis in a way but i feel like sophia was very delicate about it i think she played it subtly in one way because she could have gone a lot harder with how controlling and how abusive and how manipulative Elvis was to her. Cause after watching the movie, I, I read sections of uh, Priscilla's book, Elvis and me to see like, okay, how much, how much of that was like taken from the book, how much of it is worse, etc. And it, things were pretty, pretty dark. And I know some the movie gets there a little bit, you know, in the last act, but uh Overall, I think Sophia set it up, you know, with the height difference. And she was very intentional with some details to kind of make the audience dwell on the fact of this crazy power dynamic and the grooming that was going on. Because it was grooming at the end of the day. Like, uh, she's 14. So, yeah. And I think one of the reasons, too, is she just sets up the environment and then we're left as an audience to think about how we feel, which is kind of what I like in a filmmaker. I don't want somebody to tell me how to feel about things. Yeah. I was was kind of of two minds on it in some ways. And that like one, I don't know if she really, I mean, they make clear there was some physical abuse in it, but you're right. They could have probably gone further with that because I doubt he only got physical with her once based on what it seems like we do know about his temper and temperament and all that. Um, but it, but then then so yeah, probably went easy on him there. I thought she was pretty pr- consistent throughout the movie as far as just how manipulative he was. And I and the, the second time I saw it, I like made sure to like take notes about it. And I took like four different notes about like some time where he did something incredibly messed up or problematic or minute or, yeah. or terrible. And then like in the next breath, did something nice. You know, yeah. and one, at one point he says. Um, it's either it's it's like the first time she makes the comment about oh so there's this boutique that said I could come work for them and he's just like no it's either me it's 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 either it's either me or a career like he says that to her right away when she tries to do that and shuts her down but he's like so mm-hmm. nice about it because the next breath he gives like some kind of uh, words of affirmation right after he says that uh, and then there's like some 
and this is a whole other issue is like the the sexual aspect of this because yeah. is the discussion about why he won't they have this discussion about why he won't sleep with her and that kind of upsets her and she's not really sure what kind of game she's playing the next scene takes her shopping uh yeah. at one point like he uh he, he manipulates her into like redoing her hair and like when he redoes the whole look and she you can tell she's not like sure how to feel about that she's a little a little uneasy about it but then it's like a, a gift for that in the next scene he takes her to go shooting on a gun range or something like that um mm-hmm. And then there's the whole, th- like, the, if you remember, there's a scene where they get in a pillow fight and, like, he's, like, such a baby about it that she, like, in theory is almost beating him in the pillow fight. And then he just, like, whacks her and, like, really mm-hmm. upsets her. And then in the next breath, he starts sweet-talking her. So, like, it's yeah. incredibly manipulative behavior that the movie is, like, very consistent about. So she's not pulling punches there and making it clear that, yes, he's very emotionally manipulative on top of just how he's, like, you know, swept her way into this house and just, like, won't let her leave except to, like, go to school, basically, like. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that I that I kept thinking about throughout. But then I wasn't exactly sure what the how the movie wanted you to feel with respect to uh, their again the whole grooming aspect of it because it, and I, I'm assuming it's straight from the book and again because if I should also mention Priscilla Presley herself is an exit executive producer on the movie so you know for take that take that for what it's worth like the the subject is had some kind of say in what was going on or some level of say, mm-hmm. but like, I'd assume they, they, they didn't like deviate from the story in any way, in a way that would make her feel uncomfortable. Like she, so the movie goes to great lengths to show that Elvis won't sleep with her until she's 18. And is like, and she is and to the point where she is like tr- trying to seduce him and he won't do it. So I'm like, okay. So on the one hand, like you see, they cast this, cast this guy to make it a, in her, to make it a massive height difference, to make it look incredibly creepy, but like also going to great lengths to show that like, he would not touch her until she was of age. And I'm like, I wasn't sure exactly what to think of that. And it's like, okay, maybe they don't, maybe it's like kind of weird. And maybe it wasn't for sexual reasons that he scouted her out at this age. Maybe he just wanted someone he could control. And he thought like, okay, she'll tether me to reality while I'm off being famous. But like, I will make her my own thing and let, and, and make, make her in like my image of a housewife. And then that will be what it is. And that was the kind of the, what, what he's like, he, you know, scouted her out for not necessarily to like, be a sex object, which, you know, is what anyone assumes when maybe when they see like this guy walking around with that girl, that's that much smaller than him. But like, it's like on the one hand, yeah, there is some aspect of grooming, but two, that was something like, seems like Sophia and probably Priscilla wanted to make clear that it wasn't exactly that kind of relationship till she was legally old enough to have it be that kind of relationship. Was that something you kind of like thought about or what'd you make of the fact that the movie like made Elvis seem almost asexual or not asexual because they make it clear he's off having affairs with movie yeah. stars his own age, but like that made it seem like he had that little interest in her sexually. I think that was just downplaying it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think the, you know, it, it's tough, right? Um, first, Lisa Marie wrote a, a scathing letter to Sophia saying like, how could you do this? The memory of my father. She was also four um, years old when her father died, basically, like like five years old when yeah. her father died. Like, I wonder, how, I, I, I'm curious, like, what, what made her so, I mean, I guess you want to protect the memory of someone that means a lot to yeah. you, but it's like, I mean, it, I, could she really know, you know, and better than her mom, you know? It would always suck to find out that, you know, one of your parents, even if you never knew them, mm-hmm. was like a gross person in some capacity, true, <laughs> right? True. That'll always, that'll always hurt you. Um, so I, I understand where she's coming from there, but I also think a lot of this could also just be, we're seeing this through the lens of Priscilla, who maybe hasn't unpacked everything that's happened, happened to her. She's lived like 75 different lives. She's been through so much, right? Um, that maybe she's not even come to terms with everything that she's been through, right? Um mm-hmm. But also, it's got to be delicate. She doesn't want to get Sophia doesn't want to get sued by the uh, Graceland estate, right? Like, there's only so much you can say when someone who, when the subject of <laughs> your movie is involved in the production, right? Yeah. So I saw that as like walking a delicate balance, right? Hmm. And I know this is pulled from the book, but you know. I'm hard pressed to believe that Elvis, who's like a known philanderer, was that, you know, hard chased, chased about, with her. Yeah. Yeah. Hardlined about legality with respect to sexual activity. I just don't buy it. You know, 
especially yeah, no. at the era. You know, this is like the, the 60s, right? Um, not saying that made it okay. It's still obviously really, really bad that this was happening often, but it well, was. Well, it's funny you should yeah. say that because I had the thought because well, when you were giving your thoughts before, you were just made the point about like, oh, well, they certainly want you to think think about how like society might have been just t- kind of turning a blind eye to what was going on there. And I had the acute thought when I watched it the second time that like, wow, like this could not like happen today. You know, mm-hmm. like there's that scene where like he leaves Germany and like she gets out of the car with him and then she just like fades into the crowd. And like if something like that happened today, if like the biggest rock star in the world is like got out of the car with a woman that like no one had ever seen before, like that woman would just be like the fat object of that fascination of like global tabloids. And yeah, and it's like and the way they portray it in the movie, and I guess it's probably not far off from what happened in real life, is like, no, like he, he she was there and she was trying to continue a relationship with them over the phone, but like no one knew who she was even really until after she'd already been kind of living at Graceland and going to high school. Now I want I, this, this one thing I will say about that is that like, uh, yeah, I, 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 I had no reason to doubt the accuracy of how they were depicting her life when she got to Graceland, but I wanted mm-hmm. more time in that school. Like that, it had to be so weird. For yes. Me. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't imagine going to high school and while being, in a relationship and living with the world's biggest rock star, mm-hmm. right? There's an, this is like, I want the, I want the high school rom-com version of that, you know, that's, that's a movie unto itself though. I was like very fascinated by like all these girls just like whispering behind her back. Like, yeah, that she moved here to live with Elvis. Like that'd be so weird for her to be doing it in school like that. Yes. I, I can't imagine. I can't believe that actually happened, but also there is an element to this. This is like the dark reality of like every Wattpad fan fiction that, you know, a, a tween girl in like early high school writes about like One Direction, mm-hmm. right? Where, where Harry Styles sees you in the audience and notices that you're aloof. And the next thing you know, he calls you the next day and says he noticed you and like brings you along with him on this like wild tour, right? Like there's a lot of fan fictions that's written like that, but this... This is actually real life, and this is actually how it went, and it's actually kind of dark and sad, which kind of makes sense. But yeah, the the high school stuff is is wild to me, and I, you know, I knew that she was thir- or fourteen when she got into a relationship with him, but I didn't know that it was you know she continued school that she lived at Graceland while going to high school. It, it's bananas, you know. That kind of surprised me, and I suspect there was a lot more bullying and just weirdness that went on there that we probably didn't see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they, 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 I mean, you, let me, let me ask you, actually, this is a good t- chance for me to ask, cause we haven't really talked about the performances and um, ha- I, I, well, I, I, I'm going to ask you about Kaylee Spaney first though. I, the, my, I was about to go somewhere with uh, the Elvis performance, but like she has mm-hmm. to do a lot in the movie and that she has to like, you know, credibly be 14 at some point, but also like, I guess, you know, early thirties later on, um, it, 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 so, I mean, it, it, to its credit, it's not a cradle to the grave biopic. Those tend to be like kind of, you know, there's a ceiling on those. And I think it's smarter to tell, tell, tell a story about a smaller portion of a person's life like it is here. And that allows you to keep the same actress throughout. Uh, how did you, how did you feel? And again, like, not that there's a lot of footage of like, you know, young Priscilla Presley that we're comparing it to, like you might actually have of like an Elvis or someone like that. But like, how did you feel she did in conveying like the, you know, the, naivety and the innocence of someone like as young as her but then you know getting her to the point where she is in that final scene where she walks out yes so first i thought her performance was fantastic Mm -hmm. i feel like in a different year she'd be getting more awards buzz maybe she is um but this is like a real breakout role for her and i thought she was amazing she's also obviously I thought very believable as a young woman full of naivete, you know, um, as sort of the ingenue, right? I had a harder time sometimes uh, believing, you know, that she was this adult woman who was very sure of herself. What's funny, is that, what's, fu- what's funny is that she's 25 years old. Like, it's just she's so small and they're standing next to Jacob Awardees so that helps sell the 14 year old of it all. But, uh, yeah, no, but like, but like, I, no, I agree. Like, you know, I, I, I guess at the time where they actually, uh, at the time where they actually got divorced, they were, um, 1973. Yeah, she was 28. So she's, uh, when, when, when they got divorced. So, uh, not she, only a few years older than how 
old Kaylee Spaney actually is, though I get it, like she's so small and that she it's it's like easier to almost buy her as a 14 year old than a 28 mm-hmm. year old at times, though I guess they're they're intentional in the way that they're kind of dressing her and making it seem like they were dressing her kind of like in a way that was, you know, over the top for her age. So that that kind of probably contributes to like just trying, you know, it'd yeah. be easier to buy her as a 14 year old than a 28 year old. But I really enjoyed her too. It's funny because we talked about Marie Antoinette earlier and I always kind of wondered, and I, I've never really read up on it that much, but like, you know, uh, Kirsten Dunst had already done the Virgin Suicides and it's like, man, how, how didn't she, how didn't she book Lost in Translation? You know, she's already friends with <laughs> Sophia at that point and basically almost the same age as Scarlett Johansson. Uh, like, how didn't she get that role? And I, I, I've always been curious about that because they obviously went back to working together again multiple times after that. And then I had the same thought here as someone that is a big Elle Fanning fan, I'm like, why did they just get Elle Fanning to do this? She's already been in two Sofia Coppola's movies. I'm a huge Elle Fanning fan. And and, and, and Elle, Elle, I think Elle is born in the same exact year as Kaylee Spaney. And, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, like, first of all, I don't think you would have, like, I think Elle Fanning is actually kind of tall. So I think you would have, uh, you, you wouldn't have had the same uh, physical uh, benefits that you did there. Uh, also, apparently Kirsten Dunst had worked with Kaylee Spaney before. I can't remember what, what it was actually on. Uh, so like she, she did, I, but Sophia did say that she vouched for, yeah, L, okay, L was 5'9". So yeah, that, that, that maybe that was why, but I just like had the thought, like, though, ex- except the, the, the height difference, I guess, would have actually probably still been greater than the real life one with how tall Jacob already is. But uh, yeah. I, I, I'm a big Ella Fanning fan. I'm like, oh man, like I was worried going in. I'm like, well, did you ever think this trying to cast this person who's, I don't want to call her a complete unknown because Kaylee Spaney was in that movie Bad Times at the El Royale. She was, I think the lead in like a Pacific Rim movie, but still like I used to, I when I when I saw that Pacific Rim movie, I, I can't remember if I did a podcast or not, but I'm pretty sure I called her off-brand Haley Steinfeld because she just like kind of looked like Haley Steinfeld did it in the Transformers movie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I say all that to say, I was just a little worried like, oh man, am I just going to be like dreading wishing they should have cast Elle Fanning? And I, I think Elle Fanning could do this, but like at the same time, like she's really good. And I, it, it, Sophia has a really good eye. And I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a very hard task to be able to just like play like a 14 year old that like you believe is 14 when you are in actually 24, like when they filmed this movie, she would have been 24 playing 14. And that's the age difference between her and Elvis at the beginning. Like it's, it's so, you know, to be able to like have the mannerisms and the demeanor and the body language of someone that would in that situation, uh, to, to be able to channel that for someone 10 years younger and do so credibly, I think is like very, very impressive. And yeah, maybe like, you don't necessarily buy her as like the a hundred percent, maybe as easily buy her as like the divorcee, given how young she looks, but like, she still holds her own in some of those scenes where she is straight up telling mm-hmm. Elvis off. And I like, I, she's like, fine, I'll return the fucking dress. Or she says that at some point where they're yeah. arguing about it. And it's like, Oh, there's some real bite to her here. And I, I, and I, 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 I kind of get it, you know? Yeah. I, I agree. And then on the Elle Fanning comment, I feel like obviously Elle Fanning could have acted her butt off in this movie. But I feel like too many people know who she is and would come into this film with an idea of like, it's Elle Fanning as Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, this is more of a blank slate. Smart. And I feel like, so I feel like that's kind of one of the reasons why um, well, the casting was as it was. Yeah. So, so but like, for how, how, how do you, th- how do you then think about that in terms of casting Elvis though? Cause I think, uh, you know, Sophia has talked a little bit about casting Jacob Elordi and how, I don't even think he read for the part. I think the bigger thing that I think she said in some interviews, that, like she met him for coffee and then just saw the way the room like gravitated towards him when he walked into wherever she was meeting him. She's like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he has that it factor to be an Elvis. But at the same time, Jacob Elordi, like way more famous than Kaylee Spaney, uh, I think even before Euphoria, like had a massive following from the Kissing Booth movies, a very different kind of thing. Euphoria yeah. is like its very own thing separate from that. And uh, yeah, maybe Euphoria is a little more similar in like how dark the tone is to Priscilla, but like even what he's being asked to do as Elvis is way different than what he's asked to do on Euphoria. So again, mm-hmm. we people associate him with a couple of different things and he's like very famous. But at the same time, how did you feel he slid into this role? I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. let me tell you i did not have much faith in jacob alordi mm. going in like i don't know why i full disclosure i have not watched the entirety of euphoria i also am just like not nor have i seen the kissing booth so i've not I seen the kissing booth either i just know that it's a teen rom-com thing that's all i know i'm not that familiar with jacob alordi's work um i did just watch saltburn and now i have mad respect for him he's very familiar with him now in a much different way yes. No spoilers yes. for Saltburn. Yes. Uh, and I was so surprised by him. I thought he did a really good job as Elvis. And 
actually did a really good job with the voice. Um, and you have to. I, He's Australian. I Very impressive. Yes, yeah, but I shouldn't do this, but you have to, right? Make the Austin Butler comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, in a weird way, Jacob Alordi's Elvis felt a little more human to me, but I think that's just because we're seeing Elvis through the eyes of Sofia Coppola and not the very flamboyant Baz Luhrmann, right? Because and- Austin Butler's Elvis was obviously fantastic, but like so dialed up. Like, yeah, and, and, and being asked to do very different things because uh, Sophia didn't get the rights to any of his music. So yeah. uh, he's just he, at one point he's playing. A, I, I forgot what the in the first party scene he plays plays a cover or something else on a piano. But aside from mm-hmm. that, you're really not seeing him perform. So uh, and you're only seeing him in like as you put it these more human moments at home. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. like so much of the movie Elvis was you know f- revolved around some of those performances. So uh, yeah, it's it's kind of apples and oranges on the comparisons. And uh, Jacob's being asked to do something different with respect to just like having so much of the movie being about him being a manipulative asshole, whereas a lot of yeah. Elvis is about him being manipulated by the Colonel Tom Parker. Uh, yeah. So I I I did uh, I I thought he was really good too though, and just like the moments where like you know, God like I I think on that second viewing it really hit me just like how manipulative he was being in those opening scenes, but just keep saying, Oh, you remind me of home. You remind me of home. And like, like over and over again, trying to like just yeah. downplay just how simple his intentions were. And um, man, it felt, it felt very sinister watching it back in hindsight in a way where he's just doing it and say, but on the surface, it's such an aw shucks demeanor that he's, that he's doing there. So it's, uh, it's also just a classic, like as a woman, I've had this moment happen to me a lot, not the Elvis moment, but where you meet a guy and you're like, oh, he's kind of nice. Like, maybe we could be friends. I don't know if he likes me or not. But he immediately starts trauma dumping. Like, mm. oh, my God. And, like, that is definitely, like, a red flag manipulation tactic. Right? And Elvis was immediately doing that. Like, mm. I'm so lonely. You remind me of home. Oh, I'm sad about my mom. But you can see how that would work on a 14-year-old girl. That is. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it definitely worked on me when I was younger as well. Because you're like, oh, my gosh. They're opening up to me. Also, like, wounded bird syndrome. Like, I want to help this person. Right. And you also feel so special because it's like you've been chosen by this like person that's interesting as the one they're going to open up to. Right. So as a young person, I could totally see how like a Priscilla could fall for that. Right. Yeah. And I all this. Yeah. And I, and, I, and, I, and I went off on that tangent or not a tangent, but I started asking about the actors because like, you know, we, we, we were kind of talking about just like her being stuck in that prison when I kind of started talking about that because like I, I think it's really important that you buy that Jacob Awardy performance and obviously important that you buy everything she's doing for the movie to work at all, but buy that like him buy that she would fall for that for her to, to then understand why she is there as long as she is. I mean, even though it wasn't the longest marriage, she is still, you know, in his life for almost 15 years. And it's like, yeah, like you can see how he's able to just like turn things around on her, make her think one thing is going to be okay. And how every little thing she can convince herself of, um, that it is something that it isn't all along because, you know, yeah, it's easy for us from the outside to see why this looks like a prison, but I do think you get a good sense for how she could convince herself. It's not that. And I think that's the, the biggest thing the movie needs to accomplish is how a young person can, you know, lose themselves in the, in the presence of a, such a, you know, powerful, larger than life figure. Yeah. And I'm going to say this and it's probably sad, but this happens all the time. You know, people fall into, especially young people in like age gap relationships fall into like semi-abusive or abusive relationships. It's really easy to say if you don't really know yourself, if this is maybe the first time you've been in a long-term relationship, um, even when the person isn't the world's biggest superstar. So when you add in that element to it of, wow, this super famous, incredible person chose me out of the millions who are in love with him. I must be really special. This must be really special. I don't want to leave. Like, on one hand, yeah, sometimes it sucks, but also I get to do all these cool things, and he says he loves me at the end of the day. So, like, I could totally see how confusing that would be, right? And I definitely buy it, and I bought both of the performances as well. What did you make of him uh, giving – maybe it wasn't supposed to be that he drugged her for two days, but he gives her some kind of one, – one of his uppers or downers or not, like when yeah. she first gets there, and then she wakes up, and two days later, and he's like, yeah, you're out for two days. I think, again, like – I don't think the movie, like, because like we talked about earlier with respect to whatever you read on them not having sex until they were older was, I think the movie is trying to, like, 
if they're, if they're trying to sanitize it, like you said, I don't think they're trying to imply he was like drugging her to take advantage of her. Maybe it was the beginning of getting, it was, maybe it was just the beginning of him getting her hooked on stuff and didn't know what dose it would be, but he just thought like, yeah, this is what I, she needs to do. She's going to, you know, if she's going to be this person in my life, she needs to, you know, uh, start taking this stuff like I do. Uh, did you, did you think that like the, how did you think the movie played that off? And did you read too much into that or not? <sighs> I thought about this a lot because mm-hmm. I, I, va- I vacillated a little bit with how I thought about it. I do think he wanted her to visit at that point. And it's like, she's like, yeah, it's two days of my w- w- seven day visit or whatever. Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, Ooh, like, I think there is something that gave me, obviously it's very creepy. Right. But I was like, I feel like this is sexual, but also like I came in kind of expecting more of a beat down of Elvis's moral character. Than, I, than what actually happened right. right and then i was like it could just be a control thing which doesn't mean that it's better than like sexual abuse <laughs> but it, it might just be a control thing you know like i want to have her up there i wanted to get on these you know these drugs because i take them and when she's in that state i have better control over her and i want to just start plying her with this a little bit so i can just kind of keep her you know as my little pet you know keep her under my my control um but i did definitely initially had a more sinister reading of that right and Speak- upon reflecting i'm more torn but yeah, how did you, how did you about it? well speaking of pet i, I I'm, I'm ashamed to say on the first viewing i didn't quite get the metaphor for her getting the dog and the dog being <laughs> inside of the white picket fence and and yeah. I'm, i don't know if that was a creation for the movie or not or if that was in the book i'd assume that she he did get her a dog at some point but the way they presented it i i didn't hit me like it should have that like oh yeah, she is the dog inside of the white picket fence, and he has presented her with this dog inside of the white picket fence. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just thought, like, you know, he wanted to control her, and I think, like, I, I guess I took that to mean, like, I don't think he wanted her to be drugged for two days of the trip. I don't think we're supposed to, like, assume that he, like, wanted to date rape or anything like that. I think that, like, Sophia was just, I guess, showing that, like, look, this was all kind of his plan. He wanted to, like, whoever this person was going to be. And he happened to choose Priscilla to be this person in his life that he wanted to, he wanted to be able to control them and mold them into a very specific image. And I think, you know, even if, even if it wasn't like he wanted to turn her into a drug addict, I think he knew that like, you know, I, I, I don't think he necessarily wanted to make her a hundred percent dependent on drugs, but he kind of knew he'd, he, he probably, he probably thought at the very least that it'd be easier to get her to go along with whatever he wanted to do if she was under the influence of something and he just didn't know how to provide that dosage of that something to someone that was that small and young and that that, that's just what happened is probably and maybe that's being too generous to elvis but again i do think like you said it still goes back to control no matter what and his intention is not really being 100 percent, you know uh pure Mm -hmm. with respect to just how he is seeing her at all times so yeah um, i think that is a little generous but Mm -hmm. i i pretty much agree yeah yeah i was looking at my uh yeah speaking of being him being too generous again i don't want to make him out to be too nice of a guy i was just looking at my um my other stuff when uh my, my other bullet point notes and uh the other two that i really hadn't actually mentioned at all yet were just other examples of him, him being an asshole where she like finds a note in his jacket from one of the other girls she's having an affair with he just like goes off on her and sends her to his parents and makes it seem like there's a problem it, it's like some character flaw on her part that brought that yeah. about and the other thing being, uh, he, when she, she he asked her her opinion on her his her, his music at one point when they're listening to a song, and she like says, "Oh, it's missing something." And then he throws a chair at her, uh, but then yeah, apolog- yeah. But, but then apologizes right afterward. So, uh, man, they, like they really like. I mean, it's like a, in some ways, yes, it is kind of a quiet movie, as your friend said. But like, even amidst like you know what is a fairly uh, you know low key vibe for a lot of it, like they there's plenty of moments of like him being terrible that he, he still managed well, to put in there. There's some su- there's some really subtle stuff, um, too. Like he hits on a woman that's wearing the same perfume as Priscilla, and like mm-hmm. he made a comment about one of his co-stars' weight, and you see Priscilla react to it, and then I think like not eat or eat less in the next scene, mm-hmm. or maybe during. It's been a minute since I've seen yeah. the film, but there's a lot of really small moments like that where he's like you'd almost have to be in that relationship to notice that they're actually kind of digs at priscilla mm. right which i think is really common in abusive relationships right where like somebody could say something that would seem benign to the entire room but for for their partner that partner knows like oh like they're doing that because they're trying to like maybe hurt me or like oh that's actually a message for me 
like I should probably lose weight or like, you know, things like that. There's a lot of really sneaky, small bits of dialogue in this film throughout, in addition to, to the ones, to the notes that you mentioned, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't think I wrote down too many other quotes, but like, and it was actually, yeah, I mean, I, I think some, some of it is sneaky given everything that is, um, I've seen people make the point that there actually isn't a ton of dialogue in it, but I don't disagree that there probably are some more, uh, like, you know, smaller biting moments, blink if you miss it, but like, it's actually, you know, a lot more uh, honestly focused on the vibe and just like seeing her react to what's going on around her. Um, yes, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Kayla, are there any other parts of the movie that we didn't already touch on that you wanted to talk about? I feel like we maybe skimmed over a little bit some of the stuff in the back half where the marriage really falls yeah. apart. But like that didn't, it, that, that, I guess that was kind of, it almost felt like that stuff was almost more prominently featured in Elvis. So it, it didn't leave as much of an impact on me because it didn't feel like I was learning as much. Though I guess they do kind of get at the fact that she has an affair of her own a little bit um, with like her karate, karate instructor um, and her just like, you know, getting mad at him for what's going on and with his affairs and with his drug use but did any of that stuff in that last act kind of like st st stick with you having now that we're almost two weeks after you've seen it well the, the end the mm. ending scene and the ending song choice was so powerful to me and it like dialed up my whole thoughts in the movie it like gave it a point or two um in how i feel about it Right. Um, right. So you mean you mean like at the at, at the very end when they play the the the, the 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 it's a Dolly Parton song, right? The um, yeah. I I I I I is I will always love you. I forgot the name of it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I will always love you. Yeah, which okay. like if you know, you know. But uh, Elvis approached Dolly to buy the rights to that song, and she told him no. Or, which or, or it's like he would have he would have had to have got like if he was going to record a version of it, he wanted fifty percent of the profits forever going forward, which is very yeah, or something yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. And Dolly was like, nope, that's mine, which girl power, girl boss move. And now she's now, now she's alive to make money off of it being used in a movie about him being an asshole. Yes. Um, and it just it it was a beautiful, you know, way to end this film because you've got Priscilla saying, I'm done, I'm out, I'm standing up for myself, I'm my own woman, playing to this other this other song where a woman stood up to Elvis said, no, this is for me. It's not yours. Um, you know, two moments where Elvis lost something. Right. Uh, and I just was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's so smart. Steve Hope was a genius. Loved it. I guess the only other thing that we didn't mention really, which is just, it's not so much a scene so much as like tone or just pacing. How did, how did you feel about the pacing of the last act of the movie? Cause I felt like the front, two-thirds was very vibey and then we sped train like <laughs> to their divorce and then it just kind of ends which i didn't mind right but it yeah. did seem pretty quick yeah i i 100 agree i didn't bother me a ton because it wasn't what i was most interested in because again mm -hmm. like that was the part that was like really drawn out in Baz Luhrmann's Elvis and that part of the movie like not not to say that like they're there again not to say they're similar filmmakers but like a lot of those images felt familiar like him in that hotel room that yeah. he was probably living in in vegas and her confronting him and and him just looking like a drunken slob or a a drug-addled slob that it, it that all felt kind of familiar so i i guess i was just happy to not spend that much more time there because again not that any of the movie is fun in the traditional sense but like that is the really unfun stuff and it's yeah. like yeah as long as he kind of let us know what's going on and then keep it moving like i'm not gonna like criticize them too much for that even if like that part of the movie didn't feel as educational and didn't feel as you know uh it didn't feel like it had sophia's touch in a way most of the graceland stuff did so i, I mean so i i was fine with it not being too long even if yeah they kind of rushed through that even if given how important it is because i mean that a lot of that stuff was what led to priscilla like taking that agency finally and being like i don't I don't need to be, I don't need this, you know? So it's, it's, it's not, not important. It's just something I didn't necessarily feel the need to see again. Cause again, it looked pretty similar to how it looked at the movie that came out last year. Yeah. And then I also, I agree, but I also did some research too. And apparently the book, uh, Elvis and me is written with the same pacing, right? Hmm. So okay, it fully mirrors the, um, the book in that way or the memoir in that way. So Gotcha. Yeah, the ending phenomenal phenomenal ending yeah no, I, I i don't disagree it was, it was a cool moment 
Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to really add myself. I think we, one thing we didn't mention, uh, I, 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 well, I did mention one on the school stuff. Like I said, I could, I, I want, I want, I want a teen like rom-com that is about this idea just where like this girl is like all of a sudden, like the one dating someone really famous and how the whole school reacts to it. I think that'd be really funny. Uh, and I, I could, that could support its own movie in a different genre, but two, yeah. I, uh, I, I just wanted to highlight that again too. One of the moments where I actually did actually genuinely laugh and think was kind of funny in the movie. And again, not, a, it's kind of underscored by the fact that there is this grooming aspect to it, that the movie maybe like, depending on how you want to look at it, maybe glosses over was when she asked Elvis to like wait outside during his, her graduation. Cause it would have been a distraction. And to his credit, mm-hmm. he was cool with that, but it was hilarious the way that she just like all these other kids are like going to their family after they graduate. And she just like is there and walks out and it's like Elvis and his bros just chilling in suits. Yeah. And it's like, there's yeah. just such a funny visual watching her. It's like, it's like a girl, like going to her dad and like f- seven uncles, all like looking like Italian widows. That is her family that she's walking back to. And it was just a very hilarious visual. And I, I and one yeah. that I actually think was supposed to actually be funny in a movie where I don't think Sophia is going for a ton of laughs. That was just one that I really like appreciated the, just the bizarre uh, image that she conjured there. <laughs> yeah. Cause it is just, it is just ridiculous. You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean, look, I guess he kept his word to her dad, but still, it doesn't mean that he wasn't, you know, creepy in his overall uh, enterprise there. But uh, again, I think uh, I think that 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 about wraps it up. We think we've covered it pretty well. I Safe to say, Kayla and I both recommend Elvis. I think uh, we, we, we had some uh, scheduling difficulties uh, getting, get, getting to do this, but I'm very glad I did it with Kayla. But because of that, probably not going to be in too many theaters by the time y'all listen to this, but yeah. go, 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 please go. But I'm, I'm glad we did it. I, I mean, again, Sophia is one of my favorite filmmakers. I, I wasn't about to like let some uh, scheduling mishaps on my part, you know, stop us from talking about her and uh, giving her the support of us, uh, me going to see her movie twice and uh, get, get, adding what little publicity I could on top of whatever it's already gotten, because I think it's important that we uh, support her movies. And uh, I'm, I, and I appreciate uh, Kayla taking the time to do so. We, we would, we would recommend you, uh, you know, get, Get this on VOD if you can. People will be listening to this, you know, in the in the few weeks leading up to uh and, and this will come out within like you know two two to three weeks of Christmas, I guess. And you know, I don't know if it'll make it to VOD by that point, but if you have a chance to like watch it with your family and you're looking for something to watch over Christmas, not you 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 could pick worse. Though I as I've already mentioned on a couple of podcasts, Kayla, I I my original goal was to see Priscilla with my grandma because I was going home right around the time it came out. Mm-hmm. I, I think I saw it before I it came out like the beginning of November, end of October. And I think I saw it, you know, uh like before I went home for Thanksgiving. And then I got back and I was like, I knew what we were gonna do the podcast. So I wanted to go again. I'm like, I always try and see a movie with my grandma when I'm home. And I, I thought, okay, I saw Elvis with my grandma last year. She loved it. She didn't fall asleep, didn't go to the bathroom for two hours and 40 minutes, which is like, you know, wow. if you can get my grandma to like not fall asleep and not go to the bathroom for two hours and 40 minutes, like I think you've done something good. So I thought, oh, maybe she'll, she's a woman of a certain age. She's only a few years older than Priscilla Presley. Maybe she would appreciate this kind of movie. And she just wasn't as excited for it as I thought she was going to be. She's like, is there something else we can see? I'm like, well, Nana, your two other options are uh, Napoleon and uh, the Hunger Games Ballad of Snakes and Songbirds. And I didn't feel like explaining to her what the Hunger Games was. So we went to Napoleon and actually, actually had a good time though. Again, I think she would have appreciated, you know, uh, I think she would have appreciated uh, Priscilla and your family might too. So highly recommend people uh, find, play, find ways to watch this as we uh, continue on in the holiday season. Uh, Kayla, before we get out of here, anything else you've been watching recently, you would like to recommend to the listeners or have you been, I know you've been busy with the new job, so it's okay if you don't have any other recommendations. Uh, my only other recommendation is Saltburn, which you oh, cover on yeah. the podcast. That's probably going to come out after this one. It'll probably come out before this one because oh. I've already edited it. But uh, uh, oh, go go watch Saltburn and then listen to uh, Josh's podcast. But don't go. But don't watch it with your grandma. No, you don't watch <laughs> it with your grandma or your family in general. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I feel like I'm. Not, yeah, but though, though I I'm trying to remember if I, who. I don't know if I took, I, I, I should have taken a closer look at like who was actually in my theater with me at Salper. And I don't know if there were any families in there. You know, uh, I did see, I did see bottoms earlier this year. And like, when I turned around at the first, after my first viewing of bottoms, there was like a 15 year old boy there with his parents. I'm like, that could not have been fun for you, man. You should have done yeah. your research or something like that. So, uh, at least fun to like, look at who made worse decisions with like who their movie going company would be. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my recommendation this week was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I saw Nick Cage's dream scenario, which is, uh, his his newest film one where it's like you know uh it sounds like there have been some interviews with nick cage where he is like actually 
you know, uh, being like about how he's going to be like more selective because he's been known as someone that's just taken lots and lots of jobs for paychecks over the last few years, even if he's, you know, every now and then it'll pop up in something that's really good, including uh, including Pig, my favorite movie of 2021. Dream Scenario is a movie written and directed by uh, Christopher Borgli, who's a uh, Norwegian uh, writer director. And uh, this is his first English language movie. And, you know, it's as you might have seen from some of the trailers, it's about a, a college professor that all of a sudden just starts showing showing up in everyone's dreams, not just people he knows, but just everyone somehow. And the, it, he kind of becomes a little bit of an internet celebrity from there. And a movie talks about like some of the consequences of that are and um, has, I guess, some larger things to say about the collective unconscious of a, a concept I wasn't overly familiar with, but still pretty interesting in and of itself. But it's also just a very interesting movie about fame and very entertaining, just a unique, a, a unique idea. So you're never really sure where it's going. And you can't always say that about movies these days. So highly recommend Dream Scenario. It got a wider release, uh, even for just something that's like, you know, a smaller indie movie. So uh, I think everyone should check that out. Uh, Kayla, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug social media wise, your uh, Twitter, uh, uh, TikTok, anything like that? Are you on Letterbox now? I am on Letterbox. You didn't tell me that. It's new. It's new to me, kind of. Um, but yeah, my Twitter handle is at Kayla Stetzel, K A Y L A S T E T Z E L. Uh, Letterbox handle, I don't remember. So that's not a very good plug. Okay, well, if, 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 if anyone cares enough about my letterbox these days, which is, you know, uh, perpetually three months behind, uh, I'm going to get Kayla to find her handle for me, and then you can probably find it go through onto my profile. So very happy that Kayla is on that app, and it'll motivate me to actually, you know, uh, start putting my own stuff on there again. So uh, as usual, Josh Shurnovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterbox podcast. Uh, Twitter is at Real Movie Pod. Podcast email is the Real Movie Pod at Gmail. Dot com coming up next i'm not really sure the order in which like you know everything is uh coming out i know like soon that we're gonna have a uh i, I will have a movie I, I my goal is to do an episode on uh the hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes at some point i just don't exactly know uh when that will be i'm waiting on my other friend kayla to uh see that one we're gonna have an episode on silent night uh, at some point too, that might've actually come out before you listen to this, depending on uh, how fast that gets edited by our friend, Daniel, who's going to be on that episode with us. Also, I want to watch uh, May, December, the new Todd Haynes movie on Netflix with uh, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Uh, I just, ha- I just, it just came out as of when Kayla and I are recording this, it just came out last weekend. I just didn't quite make it to that yet. So there will be an episode on that at some point too. That movie is making a lot of noise. Seems like it's going to get a lot of Oscar buzz. So we will definitely be covering that as well. So again, thank you to everyone for listening. You have all that to look forward to and thanks again to Kayla for joining we will see you next time